and you're missing Austin, Felix, and Matt on the Debbie Debate. Welcome to the Debbie Debate. All right, boys. Are we ready to debate? Austin, you tweeted something, girl. You tweeted your running back tonight. Explain yourself. Boy, that escalated quickly. I mean, that really got out of hand fast. You jumped up and... That's Austin Nace. Who is going to be that guy? And for me, B. John Robinson is still going to be that guy. Robinson, who spins and then tries to bounce it, a stiff arm, another one as he rides it, keeps his balance. They're gonna say he stepped out, but I'm. I'm feeling sharp. I know you didn't think that we would get through this episode without mentioning the name one Zach F. Wilson. For screen or draw? Oh, Wilson. He's going to uncork for the end wow. zone, and he drops it in beautifully, and it is his roommate, Dax Milne, on the touchdown. That's Matt Brody. G. Scott Jr. Obviously, I whacked poetic about him on the last episode, so I won't do that again here. And it's time to steal the carry. Watch out. Justin Fields. Hello, Columbus. 51 yards. Vernon, are you ready to go head to head with me? I am. Gotta get my popcorn out here. Hold on. Gotta continue. Kyle McCord is going to end up winning the job. He's gonna be rated higher. Well, I'm not nearly as passionate about what I'm about to talk about. Our apologies to Kirk Street and Atlanta's time will get him rescheduled soon. And for Matt Bruning and Austin Nate, I'm Felix Sharp. Good night and good luck. a show that elicited more strong opinions both positive and the opposite than last week's show where we had uh john and andy from the full tilt debbie podcast on i think that it was one of the best shows that we've ever done because there were opposing opinions there was good debate um john got under matthew's skin because matthew doesn't like to be disagreed with at all but I thought it was one of the best shows that we have. And I think that as a content creator, the most dangerous place to exist is not polarizing, where people either like the debate and like the discussion or really don't. It's apathy. And no matter what you think about last week's show, I think it was very difficult to be apathetic about it. I think, you know, Chris uh, wrote a 2000 word essay following that show. Chris Moxley, who, who's, uh, again, still not here today. But I genuinely think it was one of the best shows that we had. Now, Austin, um, for if for some reason, a new listener did not tune into that show. We opened the show with a conversation about whether or not there should be waivers in C2C and what's kind of the best method um, to grow the brand and make it, making it digestible for newer players. Austin, you were not here last week on that conversation, but we've had conversations behind the scenes, which is kind of what prompted that to be a topic on last week's show. Is there anything that you want to rebut or point out just briefly um, since you're since you're back today? Well, thank you for asking. Uh, I don't have anything that I really want to rebut. I think both sides were represented uh pretty well and i will say that i am in actually my my highest stakes c2c league that i'm in is a no waivers league and i enjoy that league but i also think that it's a unique challenge when the league started it was all and it's i mean the replacement owners are very good too it was all sharps like it 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 really ratcheted things up to 11 i definitely have never considered that to be a simpler setup I, I definitely think that there is more difficulty there. The one, the, the one, I, I guess I have two points that I, I want to talk about a little bit. John talked about it a little bit uh, last week. Dynasty Coach A, uh, host of the uh, Full Tilt Debbie Pod, as you said earlier. Um, I actually, you know, he mentioned it can make some of these picks, especially rookie picks, a little more valuable. Um, I personally don't really care if rookie picks are valuable, like NFL rookie picks. That just isn't something that generally 
moves me where we're talking about C2C. I mean, we're, you're adding value in all these other places in terms of things that you can trade or, you know, acquire or, or, or build up or, and so I don't think that losing value through the rookie draft is really that big of a sweat. There, there are a lot of other ways to gain value in this format. You've got CFF scoring, which now has value. You have freshman supplemental picks, which now have value. Um, so I, I don't care too much about that. The only other point that I will make um, is that I think we underestimate the thirst for knowledge that newcomers to a format have sometimes. And I think I can't speak for everybody. And I know our purpose, our goal at C2C is to make these formats more approachable and easier for, I don't want to say your common fantasy player. I don't know that a person who shows up and does their office redraft league for the NFL every year is ever going to play a CFF or a C2C league. And that's it. And that's fine. It's, it's, it's a little bit of a different challenge for sure. It'll, it'll never quite be that that mainstream but i do think if you're dipping your toes into this kind of a format you genuinely are kind of trying to be a sponge especially that first year and, and learn everything that you can i know the first year i ever played a c2c league i wasn't a content creator at that point i was just a normal person looking for something new to play in fantasy and i found c2c and it was a league with actually completely open waivers and i took a team and it was an auction startup and I, i've always i've told this story before I, I won like 12 players in the auction because they were like the only 12. I was like, I just, I'll, I'll bid on players I know. I'll ignore the rest and then I'll figure the rest out in waivers. I made it to the semifinals in that league, on a 20 team league. I think if you're trying to hop into it with, with like no, you know, no other sort of knowledge going into it. So I think just if you're getting into this format, you, you are the kind of person who is always seeking out information. You're always trying to learn, you're trying to grow. So I don't know that the waivers themselves are a barrier to you fixing your team during the season. And that is just the one thing that I will add to the discussion that I don't think anybody really mentioned last week, but just struck me as I was listening to it, floating in a pool, sipping on an alcoholic beverage at 10 a.m. in the morning. If there's ever been an episode where Mike Valerie, <clears throat> excuse me, would comment that this is not the Debbie debate, it's the college football debate, it would probably be today's show because we're going to talk about Billy Napier's little bit of a roller coaster in recruiting the last couple of weeks and trading a player, I believe, that that's what we're going get, to get into. It might be a shorter show today. But, Matthew, I think, just piggybacking on Austin's comments, I may underestimate um, – just how competitive newcomers could be. Because I remember in my first C2C league, yeah, I was out there looking for content because of how challenging the format was. The challenge kind of elicited or brought out the competitiveness in me. Yeah, I mean, it's probably a little bit of what I was trying to convey last week. Obviously, Austin, the the wordsmith that he is, does it a lot better than I do. Uh, I, I just, I, I think a lot of people do do that. And I think we saw a lot of that in the comments, obviously all over Twitter, as Moxley was was subtweeting the show the entire time it was going on last week, and everybody commenting on that is. I 100% I, I agree with Austin. When you come into this, like you want to learn more. And I think the the one great thing, again, not just us, what we mentioned on the show, and I, I'll just say the CFF Debbie space in general, because I don't want to leave anybody out, but that space has grown. I think we and everybody in it have done a much better job of getting information out there. I'm almost positive me and Austin, I don't know if it was Austin's first C2C league, but one of the very first ones I was in was in the nerd C2C league that I'm in with him. I didn't know what that was. It was just because Shaq was like, hey, do you want to get I'm like, oh, yeah, I love college football. Let's see what this is. And there was nothing there. There was absolutely no kind of information you could find. And I guarantee you there are people like Austin and Shaq who were diving deep into whatever it was, forums or whatever, to find the information. Now there are a lot of other places that make that readily available. And I agree. I think I did. I compared it a lot to Dynasty last week. And I think that those that's how people approach it. When you get into a dynasty league, like you don't just go into it saying, oh, well, I'm only going to draft these guys. or I'm going to approach it with the redraft mindset. You know, it's different. You go when you do your research before you do it. So I, I do think that the thirst for knowledge is there for a lot of the newcoming players. Have you seen how much the dynasty trades in five? That YouTube show, how much it's grown with Scott and Shane. Do y'all think that we, I mean, I think we produce good content. Do you think we could ever get to that level? I mean, it, like I was, look, I, I was tuning in for the first time yes, last night. 
And the chat was ridiculous. Not only was the chat ridiculous and how much volume was there, but there was somebody in there that paid $50 to have their comment read. Uh, that stuff happens all the time. It, it's I, I dynasty will, I, trades, man. I will undercut them. I'll read anybody's comment for forty nine dollars. <laughs> leave, 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 leave a comment. Leave a like for forty nine dollars. I'll read it here live on air. Venmo I mean, we, is at no. We have always said, you know, we're not in this for the views and downloads, et cetera, et cetera. But I don't think I've seen any fantasy platforms show be that lively during a live stream. I just don't think that I've seen it before. I've seen it in other industries, uh, YouTube platforms, but not in the fantasy industry. That thing was jumping. There, there um, are others, but it's it's a dynasty space, man. It's, it's the new thing, or it's the next new big thing. And in fairness, you know, I love our live shows during the season. The tailgate and College Fantasy Tonight, I think that those things could catch on and have an audience like that eventually. But to be honest with you, it don't really matter because we're going to be here regardless if nobody listens. <laughs> nobody listens. Main event ads in the chat. Hell yeah, y'all will get there. And those are my guys. We appreciate main event. He normally tunes in. That's, that's $49, uh, to the live show. please. $49. <laughs> I want to get into this Bill Billy Napier thing because he's been a little bit of a hot topic here recently. A coach that has kind of been on the hot seat. A coach that after you watch the spring game, they're like, hmm, this offense is going to suck with Graham Mertz at the helm. They had a little bit of egg on their face, what, late last week, early this week? I can't remember when. When Austin Simmons, who's a sophomore, reclassifies to 2023, reclassifies, commits to Florida, then flips his commitment to Ole Miss. Now that is on the heels of Jaden Rashada, that debacle that we've documented on here, that debacle last season in Austin. I thought that, you know, this is just a bad look. This is just a bad look for Billy Napier, especially given how we expect the 2023 season to play out for Florida. Yeah. Um, they still have DJ Lagway, so I don't want to get – who is a high four-star quarterback in next year's class. He is, in my opinion, I think he's kind of DJU-ish uh, a little bit. Uh, is he a, a five-star? He's not a five-star plus. Like, not everybody has him a five-star, right? Uh, let me double check. I know he's a five, five star. Okay, yeah, I know he's a five star on twenty four seven. He may not be a no. Yeah, uh, no, he is a four star. Yes, I'm sorry. Point okay. nine five rating. Okay, yeah. I mean, I I like him. I, I don't think he's a five star player, but he's he's a good player. Um, so they still have their quarterback. Um, uh, so I don't know that it's too much to worry about. Uh, for today, but I will say I think if Florida's really bad again, a lot of these commits. Like those Florida schools, and especially the kids from Florida, are very notorious for flipping, flipping programs. <laughs> if even if things are going great, they'll flip. They, they it's the most bizarre thing. I, I don't know what's in the water down there. Um, so I do think that there is a chance that if Florida's as bad as we think we're going to be, and I think there is a legitimate chance that Florida wins like four games this year. Go look at their schedule. It is not an easy schedule, and you look at some of the teams that are like 50-50 with them. Like I. I they lost to Vanderbilt last year. I don't know if they're better than Missouri as a, as a team right now. Um, you know, there's a couple other schools on there that just are going to blow them out. So I, if things are bad, they say they're going to back Billy Napier. They say they're going to, you know, they, they're in it for the long haul. If things are really bad this year and commits start, start flipping. I do wonder if this is a, you know, just kind of toss him overboard and, and we'll re-roll this thing and hope we get a better coach. We've, we have been on record this show for a long time as saying Billy, Billy Napier will not be successful <laughs> at Florida. We said it as soon as the day he was hired. So I think so far, I think we're kind of nailing this thing on, on him. Well, I mean, so after the Simmons debacle, um, they went on a roll recruiting Matthew. So they went on a roll. You get three-star offensive lineman Mike Williams. They get Noel Portigen. Now, this is a uh, a kid from Germany who went to a few camps and commanded offers just after those camps. He's an offensive lineman. They get Amir Jackson, who's the number 16 athlete. I don't know what position he's actually going to play. Then they get a string of defensive players. Amaris Williams, Amaris Williams, four-star defensive lineman. Four-star defensive lineman Nasir Johnson. Uh, nose tackle. Makai Bordeaux, I'm pretty sure I'm mispronouncing that. Four-star linebacker Aaron Childs. Three-star off offensive lineman Marcus Mascol. 
Matthew, and we might not have a conclusion here, but is your reputation, your public reputation rehabilitated when you lose on two high-profile quarterbacks, but then you go out and secure, you know, the trenches? Should should we be giving Billy Napier a pat on the back for this? And this is the 2024 class, by the way, the 2024 class that are securing these commitments. Uh, I actually don't think Billy Napier's reputation is skewed at all because of the flip of Simmons and or Jaden Rashada. I mean, when Rashada flipped, it didn't really seem like the Florida community was that upset about it. And it felt like they kind of saw that coming. Maybe it was because we had kind of seen it. You'd seen possibly this coming for like weeks leading up to it with all the NIL collective stuff and everything going on. I think a lot of people are expecting that. I mean, Austin Simmons, I mean, we're still probably two, three years away from even knowing how good this kid is really going to be. So it's not really, I don't think, at the forefront of Florida fans' minds. I mean, we talk about what he lost. He's also currently has the number three overall class in 2024 with a lot of really good prospects. I mean, I'm with Austin on DJ Lagway. I don't know that he's that good per se I, I i don't have him as a highly ranked quarterback but they landed a five star um uh in xavier i don't know how to say his last name so i'm not even gonna try but a safety they've got multiple four stars in on the defensive side a couple that you already read off there like he's landed an incredible recruiting class so unless these guys flip i, I don't know that people are going to look at him sideways now where i do agree with austin if they do only win like four games this would be the perfect time to let him go because we're going into the new college football and new SEC in 2024, bringing in Oklahoma and Texas expanded playoffs. Like that's a perfect reason to let him go and bring somebody else in. But I, I really don't see, you have to have a lot of those guys flip to lose a number of three recruiting class. I don't know how many of those guys really do. I mean, if you lose lagway, that'll, that'll put a dent in your recruiting class. But a lot of these guys, a lot of these defensive guys are all very highly ranked. Most of them for high four stars, again, a one five star. Like if most of those guys stay, he's going to end up with a top 10 recruiting class. I don't know that Florida fans are going to be that upset about that. I really don't. If you remember Notre Dame racked up a bunch of commitments early last off season. Yeah. And, and then they were flew, very, yeah. very excited about that class. And then now Notre Dame's problem was NIL. And it actually doesn't sound like Florida has that problem anymore compared to with the whole Rashad. I think it seems like they've gotten a little more organized behind the scenes there. But if a better school comes calling and they struggle, I mean, I, I think there there's a case to be made that basically what happened to, to Notre Dame last year, uh, basically happens to them. And once you lose like one top prospect like that, kind of your anchor prospect, the rest you can kind of pull the strings and the sweater starts to unravel a little bit. I mean, it really, that's yeah. just the nature of recruiting. That's why when people ask, why are all these guys committing so early? That's why you, you commit early so that you can kind of convince everybody else to come play with you. That's why Arch committed so early to Texas last year to get guys to come with him. And, and, and you know, you see plenty of other examples of it too. So there's a real chance that, you know, the, just all these things kind of unravel very, very quickly. And I'm not saying they're going to lose all these guys, but really if they lose two or three of those guys, you go from like the, what will end up probably being the, the fifth or sixth best class in the sec to the eighth or ninth. And that's not good enough to compete in the sec. It just, it's flat out. Isn't yeah, it? I agree. But I, I think if you lose, if as long as you don't lose lagway, who I think is going to be the main one, it seems like that's who it is usually, right? If that quarterback ends up decommitting, going somewhere else, that's when the class falls apart. It doesn't seem like he wants to go anywhere else. It seems yeah. like he is fairly locked into Florida. And I will say, I don't expect them to finish as the number three recruiting class. We see every year, Alabama doesn't even get stuff kicking until like we get closer to signing day. And all of a sudden they go from like the number 20 something recruiting class to number one overall. So they're not going to finish at three, but I think the fact that they're already that high Unless players drop out, I think they will finish top 10. And so for a guy who is perceived, and I mean, I'll, I'll say too, I, when I have thought about this in the past and the Austin Simmons, Jaden Rashad and stuff, and we had talked about it a little bit behind the scenes, I did view Billy Napier as kind of not a good recruiter and failing at that. But again, he's got the number three class right now. That that speaks volumes to me about what he's been able to do so far for the 2024 class. And I don't think his 2023 class was that bad either. Mm. Billy Napier I mean, holds a special place in my heart or the opposite of special because as soon as he was hired, I was like, this guy's going to misuse Anthony Richardson. And then he absolutely misused Anthony Richardson in his only season as a starter, even though he eventually became the number four pick in the draft. Um, I think the question about Simmons, the other question or 
issue that I want to discuss with Simmons, uh, Austin, is whether or not we should be concerned with these kids who who reclassify. Now, I've only seen a reclassification up to this point go one year, not two years. Now, I understand that he was a older prospect and he would have been, you know, 20. But if you look at the recent history on guys who have reclassified, Tony Grimes, he reclassified in the COVID season so that he wouldn't miss a season of football. JT Daniels, Austin Mack reclassified uh, this year to go to Washington. He only spent one year as a starter at his, at his high school in California. And then Quinn Ewers. I don't know that that's necessarily been an A-plus success. Do you think that we'll get to the point where we will start cautioning our listeners, our customers, from taking players who have reclassified? It's such a small sample size. That's the problem here. I mean, the, you you listed four names or five names, and those are really the only – like there's not a lot of guys that, that, that do it. Um, so I, I – I, I don't know that I would necessarily say at this point that I would draw a conclusion from what has happened so far, especially because Grimes has not been bad. And I think this is a make or break year for Quinn. And we might have a very different discussion if Grimes goes top 60 next year in that draft and yours uh, has a bounce back that we think he can. So um, I, I don't want to, to draw too big of a conclusion from what we've seen so far. I will say, like you said about Simmons for people that aren't aware and, but I've been advising people if they ask me about him. So he he's 17 already, and he was supposed to be a sophomore in high school. When he entered college, he would have been 20 during his freshman season. So this is really just putting him back to the spot he should be in developmentally. That being said, uh, going to Ole Miss, I'm not saying it's a bad spot for him, but I think it's at least a year and probably two years before we see him take the field. So if you're in a C2C draft, I'm not touching him because I think he's going to sit the bench for at least two years. And that's a lot of zeros to take. And if you're in a Devi league, I don't know that you have to rush and take him unless it's just an awfully deep Devi league. I don't know that he's going to do anything over the next couple of years that makes him an attractive option to draft today, if you know what I mean. And, and Demond Williams is an explosive dual threat quarterback who is committed to Ole Miss in next year's class. I haven't seen this Austin Simmons play, but I've seen Demond Williams play. And that dude can ball. Matthew, I know you like him too. Yeah, he's so. he's really – I would be very surprised if Austin Simmons is better than Williams. But I like, I have not watched him either. So I, I, I kind of agree with Austin. I mean, the only one on that list I think you can say is probably not going to be at least anywhere near the recruiting grade and everything got was JT Daniels. Tony Grimes still has a shot. I agree. I thought this is it. This is the make or break year for Quinn. And we don't really know about Austin Mack because I don't know that he even necessarily plays next year. So maybe you'll get two years of him at Washington. If Kalen DeBoer is still there, I would argue he's probably going to be pretty good. So there's a chance that in four years when we're doing, hopefully doing the show still, we're talking about already three of these three out of the four were good. So you can't say not to do. It. I think you have to take it by case by case basis. When Austin Mack did it, we've done at least one show of C2C startups here, and we've done one of uh, a, my goodness, supplemental draft. And I think, Felix, you drafted him in like the fifth round, maybe the sixth, Austin Mack. I, I just drafted him in, in the 10th, actually, in a real okay. draft. So, so yeah. I mean, yeah, like we're, we're not saying, yeah. hey, like go out and spend the high, high pick on him, but you're just spending a decent pick on him. And when Quinn Ewers did it, we all said that he should be the 1-1. Because at the time that he did it, most supplemental drafts went. So it was kind of like, hey, you're, he's not going to be in the player pool. You're going to have to draft him in your supplemental draft next year. We all kind of advise he should probably be the 1-1 one, one in that thing. So it's there's still a lot of data we need to collect on this before we say otherwise. I do agree 100% with Austin, though, on, on Simmons. He would be a guy that I would not – I mean, unless he's just sitting there in your 15th round of your supplemental draft and you just want to take a even shot then, on a guy. But Even then, I think there's yeah, better I – mean, I, I know it sounds stupid – yeah. I think there's much better uses of a 15th rounder. We talked about this on the C2C pod this week where you can't let a guy who's just going to, you know, is going to get zeros for two years straight sit on a bench. Like I know 45 roster spots in a traditional C2C league sounds like a lot. It's really not that much. And you can't just have guys sitting there, sitting there, sitting there doing nothing and just, I hope someday maybe he gets good. I, I just think there's better uses of, of um, you know, just, even opportunities to just gain some slight value from a guy that that maybe could do something. I, I, I it sounds silly, but I, I think it's a waste of a pick. Austin mentioned picks in the fifteenth round. 
Uh, Austin has come up with an ingenious idea. He has offered a 240-player queue for your freshman drafts. This is only available to our NIL subscribers. So if you have a draft coming, Austin, I wish you would have came up with this idea two months ago. I know. I'm sorry. It would have been a lot easier for us to get out, especially because that's when freshman draft started. A 240-player queue for your freshman draft. So if you've got one coming up in July, August, and you want that, it's available to NIL subscribers. $7.99 a month or $79.99 for the year. Remember, with that comes all of our content, all of our rankings, all of our recruiting rankings, and the three guides, the freshman and supplemental draft guides, the Devi guide, and the CFF guide that is going to be released on uh, July 1st. You get all of that content, plus it. I mean, we can't do any more hand-holding for you than giving you a 240-person queue. Actually, got- I can. I can because you know what I'm doing right now. I'm actually writing a three-article like series on how not only like my queue looks, but also how I would be drafting based on that queue if I'm sitting there in a draft tomorrow. So we, can't, we can hand-hold even further, but I think that's the glass. I don't think I can get any further <laughs> than that right there. But that article is also only going to be available to NIL tier subscribers. Um, I mean, I I set a queue for all of my leagues also. The most that I get is about 100. So 240. Austin's really doing the work for you. Um, Thank you for the rate and reviews. We did get at least two rate and reviews since the last time I made that comment. We appreciate that. Home field. Go to home field apparel and use the promo code CAMPUS to Canton. Both Matthew and Austin are wearing a home field apparel right now. And I was chastised before the show because I have on my normal black or gray shirt and not a home field t-shirt. I need to correct that uh, next week. All right. Um, Austin came up with this, this idea to trade a player to a new team. So, I mean, Austin, um, I guess I'll let you take it away. You can start us off. Matt, Matt actually came up with that idea. Oh. He dropped that as an idea for the show today. <laughs> I just I took it. You know, right all uh, all good idea. It, it's not possible for me to have a good idea, so that's probably why he said it was you. As we discussed on the collective last week, yeah. yeah. Matt I mean, started I was, farming I, out if, his. If ideas. we were going to do a mock draft, I would assume that 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 idea came from Matthew. But uh, all right, Matthew. Well, well, one of you guys start us off here. Go ahead, Matt. Oh, okay. Uh, So it was really hard for me to actually come up with one because I feel like the easy get yourself out of jail free card here is I'm just going to pick a quarterback and send him to Alabama. That's kind of the easy go to one. And I didn't want to do that. So I tried to go a little bit spicier. I went to another team in the SEC that I think is set up to win now and possibly could if they had a couple upgrades. So I decided that I'm going to go to one Penn State and they are going to trade Drew Alar and Nick Singleton to the Tennessee Volunteers for Nicholas E. I'm going to, I'm going to Nico. I'm going to butcher his name. I might even try it. Nico Jabari Small and their top defensive safety, Wesley Walker, who actually had a really good year for them last year. Three pieces for the price of two. We know that Josh Heupel runs the ball a lot more than people give them credit for. I think Nicholas Singleton would thrive in that offense, running the ball behind that offensive line and bring them a very dangerous rushing threat and then bring you a quarterback that, yes, while that system is very quarterback friendly and it is a little bit gimmicky, I think putting a real, true NFL potential quarterback, first-round potential quarterback like Drew Alar in there could just raise that offense even more and possibly even allow them to beat a team like Georgia that we all think Alabama is going to be down this year. Georgia would be their main competition to possibly make it to the playoffs this year and compete in the SEC. Plus, you get both those guys for two years heading into next year with the expanded playoffs as well. So try to go a little bit different than just picking a quarterback and sending them to Alabama. Tennessee team, again, I like their wide receiver core, decent offensive line. The defense is not great, so I don't think getting rid of their best defensive player is that big of a deal because they're going to score points anyway. So give them one of the best quarterbacks and running backs in the nation. All right, Austin, give Penn us your. State's, I don't know. I don't really know what to respond with. With the, you know, I don't kind know. Of what feel like Penn State comments. says no to that, considering they're trying to win this year. But um, <laughs> you know, this is really their only year to do it. So uh, I, I'm not sure how much they like that. Um, how about this one? So I think 
LSU has Malik Neighbors, and I think at the end of the day, I don't know. I don't know if he's a pure boundary guy. He might end up being a slot, like a slightly bigger slot guy. I just don't know if he has the complete skill package to play on the boundary. But you know who I think does have the complete package to play on the boundary? And that's Ted McMillan from Arizona. I think LSU really needs an alpha receiver on the outside. It's a bunch of question marks beyond neighbors. And Arizona needs everything. So LSU can pick, a, can pick two guys on the trenches, send them over to Arizona. That probably makes Arizona better in the long run. Their other receivers are not that bad. They've got cowing. They've got, they just brought in uh, Montana, Lamonius, Craig. Um, there, there's some other potential guys on that team. So I don't know that they, I think a, a wide receiver is potentially expendable for them and they can beef up that defense. That was, I believe 126th in the nation last year and really didn't do anything to improve this year. So I think that trade works out for both sides. Give LSU a little firepower to, to push for that sec championship and give Arizona some little hope. So that, that's the trade I'm making here. Is Tedderoa McMillan on a trajectory to be a top 20 NFL draft pick. So I'm not, I, I want to say maybe, and I think um, uh, Josh uh, Chevalier uh, CFF at CFF guys on Twitter really kind of talked me into this uh, when I had him on a, a show not that long ago. I think he's a good enough mover. And that was what really what I was skeptical about. Like he's kind of one of those six, five dual sport kind of uh, volleyball background kind of guys where you just, I didn't think he looked like an excellent mover in high school was a lot of him just kind of winning jump balls in the end zone, which is all well and good, but kind of got to be able to do something else or else you're on tape. And I think he kind of proved he can last year. I mean, his, he, he had a lot of targets. He didn't have a ton of catches, but you know, a lot of them were not really catchable balls. It's not that he was dropping a ton of stuff out there. I don't, I, he's more like, if you're talking about tall receivers, I think he's closer to a T Higgins than a Drake London as a mover. I think London moves a little better than, 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 um, than Higgins does. I don't know. It doesn't, it obviously doesn't really matter for Higgins sort of like how it didn't really matter for Justin Ross before he had a bunch of degenerative back issues and, and, and but like he would have been that same exact kind of player. I think he can fit in that mold. Does that mean he ends up being maybe a better one B in the NFL than a one a, that would be the thing that I'm concerned about for a team taking him super early, but top 20, we've seen worse receivers go top 20 than him recently. <laughs> Jalen Rieger. Okay. All right. He's one player that I don't have rostered anywhere. And I'm like kind of disappointed that I don't because I do like, first of all, Arizona is a fun team to watch. Uh, not only Tedaroa McMillan, Jacob Cowing, uh, Jaden Delara. Uh, they've got Noah Fafita in the backfield, a player that you identified or in the, the backup quarterback there, a player that you identified last year, Matthew. So, you know, Jed Fish has got that team on the rise and they're going to be, they're going to continue to be a fun team to watch especially from a cff perspective if their defense is going to continue to be bad they're going to be throwing it in the fourth quarter when they play teams like you know washington and usc those are going to be high scoring matchups so um i did not pick a player i picked a coach because this is a conversation that i was having with nino brown and shane hallam from debbie marketplace earlier today on twitter i would trade jim harbaugh for ryan day in a second and it's really because of what Jim Harbaugh has and has not done on the heels of two playoff performances in 2021 and 2022. Their 2023 class, at some, at, I swear at one point when I looked earlier last year, their 2023 class was ranked in the 50s. Now it finished 20, but that is no five stars. That's after a 2022 playoff appearance. Their class in 2022, after a 2021 playoff appearance, was just ranked 12. Will Johnson, their only five star. Their 2021 class, 13. Uh, J.J. McCarthy, their only five-star. And you look at, you know, we're still talking about, is J.J. McCarthy a first-round NFL draft pick? His, he hasn't solidified himself like a Drake May, like a Caleb Williams. Um, and then 2020, their class was ranked 12, and they had no five-stars. Now you can say, oh, these are top 15 classes or top 20 classes, but when they consider themselves to be on the same level of USC, um, Alabama, Texas, Ohio State, having a 12th ranked class after a playoff performance is terrible. Now, I've talked about this a lot on the Better Sports Show. You look at what Ryan Day has done in the last four years at Ohio State. Their 2023 class five, 2022 class four, 2021 class ranked second in the country, and that 2020 class ranked fifth. Not only that, 
not only do they get better recruits, but they play a modern style of football that should attract other recruits. Michigan doesn't. I'm sorry, Michigan is is like winning, but their 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 foundation, in my opinion, is not as solid as Ohio State. If I had to be Ohio, if I could choose, I am a Michigan fan. You know, grew up Charles Woodson, 1998 Heisman Trophy, went to Lloyd Carb football camp, and all that kind of stuff. Um, but if I could choose to be a Michigan fan or an Ohio State fan over the next five years, it's like no decision at all. I expect Ohio State to be the better team because of what they've done on the recruiting uh, on the in the recruiting in, the, in recruiting. Now, Michigan is allegedly a developmental program, but I think that that's just nonsense for that's code word for saying we don't recruit that well and we're okay with it. Um so that's what I would do. I would trade Jim Harbaugh for Ryan Day. Go ahead, Matthew. You can choose, and we welcome you. Just throwing that out there. You don't have to be. I will, I will never be on the same side of you as anything. Um, What else do we got? I mean, that's who put the show sheet together? Austin? You said make it short. I did not say make it short. I did not say, say make it short. Uh. All right, it is a shorter show tonight. Maybe we'll stick around for the after show. Yeah, some after show. Give, yeah. us, give some folks to tune in to us goof off. But that is going to be our show for tonight. Apologies to Kirk Street. We ran out of time. We will get him rescheduled soon for Matt Bruni and Austin Nace. I'm Felix Sharp. Good night and good luck. I don't know if Kirk's going to believe that we ran out of time when you we just for the 35 minute show. Yeah, I don't. I think I, I, he's going to stop shortest, sitting in the background. Yeah, I'm the embarrassed. Shortest show we've I am had. embarrassed. I'm embarrassed. when I did the solo show, it went longer than that. I'm embarrassed to be honest with you. I mean, I that I can't remember us doing a show that short. In fairness to myself, I text you guys and. I, Yesterday or today, this morning, no, I said, I've got nothing. Give me some ideas. Matthew gave me some. Austin did not. Austin did was, not respond. I was working, you know. Some of us work for a living. I'm just saying. Not just sexy gym videos I'm... on OnlyFans to, to <laughs> get some cash. Oh, maybe let's just try to OnlyFans. That'd be funny. Um, so I want to, I want to, go through this draft with you. And I can tell folks who listen to our content regularly and who don't because, okay, I'm generally picking players and I'm better about this now than I have been in years past. You got to be a CFF guy or a Debbie guy. I don't pick anyone that doesn't fall into one of those two buckets. You tell me which one of these two buckets, these two players fall into. Um, Demi Sumu from from North North Carolina State, the running back. Kentucky, Kentucky now, but um, he's at Kentucky now. Yeah, he trained a couple weeks yeah. ago. Yeah. Well, okay, uh, he might be a CFF guy then, if he gets the the starting uh, the starting job because Kentucky always pounds the ball. All right, Jawar Jordan from Louisville, uh, CFF guy. Okay. He's fairly highly ranked for, I think, our CFF team as well. Mm -hmm. So, Okay. All right. Um, I don't even remember talking about this player. Tyler Williams, freshman wide receiver at Georgia. I'm not I'm not out of principle really drafting a lot of Georgia receivers at this point in time. I know so, uh, he has his fans. Him and Aiden Williams, who are going to Ole Miss, both have their fans. I'm not a huge They've got, I mean, they're going to have Dylan Rayola next year. Uh, so. Anth- An- there's another, there's an Anthony, Ev- again, another wide receiver that I'm not, Anthony Evans in Georgia. Yeah, not a huge fan. He's probably the worst I receiver mean, they brought in this year. Yeah, I mean, there are just some names. Oh, here, here's a good one. Because I, I, I watched this player to see if there was something there. Uh, Mushin Muhammad's son. Mushin Muhammad III Moose. at Texas Moose. Yeah, at Texas, at Texas yeah. A&M. Is he is he is he going to be a day two NFL draft pick? I, I, I don't see anything so. particularly special. I cut him um, two rosters this offseason, yeah. actually. I mean, I think he could have an okay year, but I don't know that you're ever starting him for CFF purposes. I mean, his problem is that he plays the same role as Aeneas Smith, who probably plays over him. I mean, that you're really just praying for an injury and that they actually pass the ball. So oh, I don't know, man. Moose Moose jumped up to the first string last year. All the reports in the spring was he was. Hurt. 
I know, but still, with Jimbo, with you, with what he did last year, I, and the fact that he was running with the ones all number this year, I don't know, man. Yeah, I saw that too, Todd. <laughs> Look, I mean, in, in fairness to us, the you know, I guess the number two Debbie podcast on the number, we're not doing conference previews. There's a lot to talk about. So I should say that also, in fairness to ourselves, we are waiting for Chris to come back before we do my guys, before we do conference previews, before we do that stuff. So yes, we are going to do that stuff. That kind of the stuff that people are doing right now, but we're waiting for the full team to be back here. So you know, every once in a while, I guess you get a 35 minute show. I think Elite Eleven is a good topic if so, if we want to discuss that for a few minutes. Go ahead, Austin or Matthew. You did the preview. Yeah, Matt, Matt knows more, probably more about it than me. I haven't watched so many quarterbacks yet. I've only I've only a handful graded. I mean, is there a specific you want me player to talk about main event? You just want to know about the whole who, thing. Who won? Who ended up winning Julian it? Was it was it Julian Sam? I I think he's. I don't know if it was on a podcast or if this was behind the scenes, but Austin, I feel like you said he reminds you a lot of K Klubnik, and I don't disagree with you yeah, on that. Which is so, the kind of player that that, that wins typically that. excels yeah. at Elite Eleven. It's like a yeah. low upside tech. Typically, it's Caleb Williams won it because they gave so much deference to his his pace, uh, which is the stupid yeah. thing about Elite Eleven. Not that I dislike Elite Eleven; I think it's a fun thing to talk about and to watch, but. As long as there's this mystery box of, oh, well, we also take into account what they did on tape last year, you never actually know who's going. Like, it, it's, it de- delegitimizes the entire process. By the way, by the way, this network, this, or maybe this group, we've never been more wrong than when we were about Caleb Williams being a 55% completion percentage passer in high school. And how is that going to work with Ryan Day? But in fairness I mean, to ourselves, Riley. Lincoln Riley, yeah. But in fairness to ourselves, we, we corrected that as soon as we saw the spring game. As soon as we saw the spring game, this freshman season, we're like, oh, okay, this is going to work. Um, but if you had a freshman draft before that, oof. Well, I mean, I think he was everybody's QB1, was he not? No, I still we have, have that. We had him like QB7 or 8 in the class as a group. No, I, know, I have I, I have the recruit ranking saved somewhere. We, I saved we, it for that first We were not, we were not in on Caleb. It was, it was higher than that. Yeah, I don't. Four. I'm almost positive he was one. at least top three. He may not have been it one. I don't remember one. who would have been one then, but he was. He was top three. <laughs> but no main event. Um, I, he was probably one of considered one of the favorites. Obviously, Dylan Rayola was considered the favorite because he's quote unquote Patrick Mahomes. I, I don't. Uh, Saying supposedly put together the last two days of the the. The events were really good. He ended up, I think, scoring the highest both those days. So that's why he ended up coming away with the MVP. I think he's going to be very good. Would not actually be surprised. And Austin Collins talked a little bit about this on on Campus Life this week. I actually would not be surprised if he ends up starting as a true freshman for Alabama. That's a really bad quarterback room, in my opinion. I don't even if Jalen Milrow starts this year. I don't know that he's someone that they're just going to throw out there again. And they. We saw he was not afraid to throw two out there as a true freshman in the second half of the national championship game, and I, I do not think that Jalen Milrow is Jalen Hurts, per se. So I, I do not think that uh, that's impossible next year. But The, the biggest I mean, takeaway from it has to be that if you go look, because they basically there's, what, three or four different segments throughout it. Like there's the pro day, the 77, yeah, the each, challenge. Each day another. is a different event that they do different stuff, and you get graded on that day. So, like, if you were to go back through their tweets, you'd see, like, I don't remember who won day one. I think it might have been Trevor Jackson won the rail been. challenge or something like that. Like you'll see different players win each day, but that does. But then the overall winner of the entire event was Julian saying, as Austin mentioned, not only do they film grades, they take your junior stats into consideration is that it's also, and, and I would really suggest you listen to the official because they do a really good job breaking this down um, as well about what the elite 11 is. I think two podcasts to go. Um, they also take in if you did well at your regional and it's very hard for someone who didn't make it in the first invite at a regional to win it. And Julian saying was that there was actually five players who did that this year it was Dylan Rayola, Julian saying Aaron Nolan, Luke Croman hook, or I'm sorry, there was six. Those are the only four that I can remember that got in invites from the regionals. Everybody else was invited after the fact. So those guys were already kind of viewed as the favorites to win it. Most of those guys finished at the top. I'm, I'm almost positive Aaron Nolan finished top three. I know Luke Croman Hope finished fourth. Dylan Rail was probably two then, which means Julian Sane was one. So, I mean, all those guys who got invited were toward the top. 
Well, I was going, what I, the point I was going to make was that if you go back and look at all those lists from every day in terms of who did well, they're totally, there's nobody did well every single day, which tells you that this quarterback class is not very good. It's, it's just a very, very weak quarterback, quarterback class overall. Um, even the guys who are supposed to be like Jaden Davis had two horrible showings and then had a really good 77. Um, and some other guys, you know, kind of had a, a, a switched, switched the order essentially. So I think it's a bad year to need a quarterback if you're drafting early in some leagues this year. I, I generally have been trying to tap quarterback just because I think next year I'm not interested in really any of them. Even guys like like I think Aaron Nolan is fine. I think he's my QB too. I don't love Aaron Nolan. I think he's okay. Um, there's a couple other guys there too. So <clears throat> that's all I got. Yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't disagree. I think I'm going to be a lot higher on Croman hook than most. Although I, I believe Alfred's kind of come around on him and yeah. pretty high just with his rushing upside. And I think he's got arguably the strongest arm in the class. This will be a big year for him though. Only completed. I think it was 61% last year. First year starting played wide receiver uh, his entire sophomore year. Cause he was behind holding Grenier and he just wanted, I actually got a chance to talk to his coach. Cause he corrected me on some, uh, I misspoke about a, a fact that I thought was right on the YouTube video. So he kind of DM'd me and we we've talked a little bit and he actually did not, he wanted to play wide receiver because he had injuries at wide receiver, wanted to go out there, played that because Holden Grenier was a starter, obviously committed to Auburn. And then he went in and played starting quarterback for them last year, led him to a state championship. So I think it's going to be a big year for him. We'll see what happens. Um, decent, decent competition, not great. And he's playing the second level in Georgia. So. I don't I, think he does, by the way, to answer Todd's question on the screen yeah. here, which says, does Pigli Ryan Piglisi, who's a top 10 quarterback from New England area, Connecticut, I believe, uh, is also committed to Georgia, committed to Georgia prior to Dylan Rayola committing there. He says, does Piglisi actually stay committed to Georgia and compete with Rayola? He's talking a big game, but I do think if somebody comes in with a good offer and a fairly open depth chart, he'll move. Yeah, that's my thought on that. It's just, it's would be stupid not to do that. And somebody needs to be in his ear telling him that that's stupid not to do that. Nickname Pugs, by the way. That's what he goes by. As I found out from the Elite 11 stuff. Yeah, I agree with Austin. He's, I don't, I mean, I'm not the biggest fan of Rayola, and I don't even think Pugs is in that conversation at all. I don't even actually don't he I have graded him and he's in my tier three. He's not even in my tier two. I mean, I have Jaden Davis in my tier two. I should speak to you like how much I, I think poorly of this quarterback class as well. Uh, I, I don't think that he'll stay. I know there's a, been a lot of talk like Kirby is willing to play the best quarterback that allows them to win. And everybody quotes, you know, Stetson Bennett is started over Brock Vandegrift and Carson Beck. Well, if you've listened to at least a few people here at this network, we tried to tell you guys Brock Vandergriff was not worth the five stars that his name was printed on a couple of years ago. So that's not a big shock. I I, I would be very, very surprised if, if Puglisi beats out Dylan Rayola. I think at some point, probably signing day would be my bet that he ends up flipping somewhere. I don't know where. He said he's been contacted by a bunch of schools. I, I mean, I he's got a really strong arm. I mean, dude fires, I think his fastball is like 95, 96 miles an hour. I mean, dude can absolutely sling it, but. I've been working on a thread. I've been toying around, around with the idea of a thread, like players who are going to go undrafted or uh, players that I'm like keeping my eyes on. I don't know what the title of the thread be, but I, I can give us some players to talk about. Um, players that I'm that I might add with my last pick in the fifteenth round, Jalen Polk. I don't think he's the next receiver at Washington, so I probably wouldn't. Who, who do, do you think it? You think it's, it's you think it's, it's Bernard? J yeah. Well, Jalen Polk was the third this year. So Polk, or last year, excuse they me. They view Polk as a wide receiver three. Mm -hmm. from what I've heard, if something happens to McMillan or Odunze. Bernard becomes the, the one or two. Yeah, but next year, don't you think it's going to be Polk and Bernard? That's what I'm that, – I'm not looking for this I, year. I think they view Polk as a three. I think they'll try to get another guy to add in. A six-foot-two, 200-pound wide receiver, who's, you think they view him as a three? I mean, he, he was a three this year. Okay, yeah. all right, fine. Austin Mack, who we talked about, Jonathan Brooks. 
who's available in a lot of places, who is allegedly – I know – did he not play – did he not participate in the spring at all, or just didn't play in the spring game? Uh, he didn't. No, he was injured. He was nope. injured. No, he was the there. Spring, or I thought he participated. Yeah, he early was there. No, he was Doesn't. injured coming into camp. Well, Sark, well, Sark so, talked him up a lot. Sark, Sark talked him up a lot, and there's the potential Sark. that he either split time, either splits time, or that he might be he might be the starter. Even though I find that hard to believe because Cedric Baxter was on the field. So it seemed like for all the all the stuff the snaps with the ones. He may Sark may have talked up Brooks a lot. All the reports now coming out of Texas is that they can't shut up about Cedric Baxter. I think it's gonna okay. be we we had this me, Austin, Corey, and Mike had this conversation in our Debbie chat the other day. I think it's gonna end up being Baxter and Blue is going to end up being the rotation. Really? I just I don't I like Brooks. I talked about him last year. Me and Mike had many conversations about I think he's an okay running back. He's not as good as either one of those guys. And I think especially with the expectations. Blue just seems so soft to me. Like blue for he didn't play a senior year and then and then he he crocodile armed that uh that pass pass. One pass though, man. Like it's one of those things where he had such a good spring though. Like that's he was one of the guys that everybody was talking up. He had a good spring game. Like supposedly he's, I think I can't remember exactly what Corey I know does the the reports. I want to say that he's already he's back up over two hundred pounds again now. We're close to two hundred pounds. Like he's just a better player than Brooks in my opinion. I, I think, and I think he's a better receiver than both as well. Like Baxter he, is a good he, receiver, but he's not as good as Jade on Blue. No, and he was our our RB two in that RB1. class for. Well, he was my RB two for me. He was RB, your RB two. We had him ranked as I think you were the, you were the only one who had Singleton at one. I'm almost positive everybody else put Blue at one. No, he wasn't the only one who had him at one. But good player, explosive player, but he he might be more of a satellite back type, right? I so, think okay, I so, said coming out that Singleton was more. Like if we're going to talk about those guys, that Singleton was more Bijan and he was yeah. more Jameer Gibbs coming out. Just yeah, that's a good. What kind of the problem with Singleton is that I don't know that he's a good pass catcher, which I do think ends up hurting. Like I think there is wiggle room Nick there. Chubb. He's not an infallible prospect. No, I think he's Nick Chubb. I think that he his ceiling is Nick Chubb. Um, all right, here are the other two players. Five all to get Austin Bolt, who another player who did not play in the spring because he's still recovering from a broken leg. Austin Bolt, Boise State, who spent time at defensive end, okay. tight end and wide receiver. And he's like known in Idaho for, you know, this guy who's dominated. He he even got an invitation to walk on uh for Boise State's basketball team. Um I think he ended up turning it down, but a player that the locals know. I understand he went to high school locally there, and they've been waiting for him to bro- break out. And it seemed like that was going to happen last year, but he got injured and then didn't play in the spring. So Austin Bolt is one. And then Jalen Noel at Iowa State, a guy that has, you know, could be one of the faster players in the conference and be a deep threat run after catch guy, kind of. Similar to uh, Monterey Montgomery, what's Monterey Baldwin? What's his first name for for Baylor? Monterey Baldwin, a similar style could be a similar style player to that. Now, I had a lot of high expectations for Hunter Deckers. Hunter Deckers allegedly may not even be around this season. Jalen Noel allegedly might be missing some time too. Oh, really? Oh, dang. And Jarrell Brock. Yes, this is kind of the issue with picking Iowa. And Jarrell Brock? Really? Oh, wow. Yes. That, so, three starters. That is the rumor. Yes. So, Cartavius Norton, J.J. Cole, and I don't even know who the wide receiver replacement would be there. They got some guy from, like, FCS or something that's supposed to be really, really good that actually people think probably ends up being the alpha this year for them. I do not remember the name. I'm not drafting that offense are, so. are you still in on cartavius norton i actually thought that he looked fine early on before he tore his hamstring and people are like oh his yards per carry average was like low i'm like he tore his hamstring and then missed a whole bunch of games that um so i actually think mike valerie did a really good 
breakdown discussion on him, even though he kept calling Iowa State Iowa. Um, and I just kept sitting there as I was walking the whole day. It's Iowa State. Um, yeah, I think it is Jaden Higgins, Todd. I think that's who I'm talking about. Um, where he basically said, like, you can't really take away anything from what Norton did last year because their line was so bad. Mm-hmm. That bit, like, he's not the kind of guy that can really bounce a ton. Like, you wouldn't expect him to bounce a ton of, of runs outside and kind of, you know, beat guys to the edge consistently. Like, that's that's not really his game. He's not a bad athlete, but he's like a, he's like a four, low four five kind of guy. He's not a burner. Mm-hmm. And that offensive line opened nothing. So he literally would just run into a wall, like, wait, 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 run into a wall. So I don't, you can't take away anything from what he did last year. I still think he's a good player. Are they going to be that much better this year? I mean, I, I, I think there's a chance Iowa State's a dumpster fire this year, just, and it's yeah. be, just because of the guys that they could potentially be missing. So I'm in a league where I realized, I didn't realize until late that we could take more than 15. So if we dropped, and some of the players that I was going to drop, Hunter Deckers, I was going to drop Hunter Deckers. But I actually, uh, I I learned that too late in the like the roster. I still wouldn't drop Deckers. I still think there's upside there, whether it's this year. You've never year. said this before. I mean, he's, never... he's big and he's got an arm. Like I don't think he's droppable yeah. if he misses this year. Personally, I mean, is I there was, a chance he doesn't get the job back? Maybe. But. I, but okay, again, we ask for players to fit in one or two buckets. Devi or CFF, and and Deckers just doesn't fit into any one of those buckets for me. I was going to drop him. I was going to drop uh, uh, Potts from Minnesota who transferred to Penn State, Tracian oh. and Potts. He's never going to play at Penn State. Yeah, he's No, I don't understand that transfer at all. He's, he's, Not, from, he's from Williamsport, which is like – Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, I, thought, I think that – I actually think – I think that he's an excellent player. Like he, he had a more – versatile skill set than Muhammad Abraham. That's why he was like returning punts. He was their pass catcher, built like a bowling ball, but going with him. I was going to drop um Dominic Richardson. I just he he's probably going to split time with uh Reese there at Baylor. Even though I love Jeff Collins, love will always love Jeff Collins wide zone system, but he's going to split time so he's probably neither a Devi guy nor a CFF guy. Um, I cut him a bunch this offseason. And then I'll I'll make this one comment, and then we can get out of here. So Hakeem Williams fell to me in the second round, and I wrote the I wrote the art the freshman guide piece on Hakeem Williams, and I'm like, this dude has no refined skills whatsoever. Um. I mean, you would think him because he's a bigger wide receiver. You would think that he would be, you know, this back shoulder kind of dominant at the catch point guy, but he's not. And then he fell to me in the second round at the end of the second round too, because I won this league. So at the two twelve, and I'm like, and I pulled the trigger on Hakeem Williams, and now I'm like, you know what? There should just be a do not draft list because I hate that I made this draft pick even at the end of the second. Would it make you feel better if I told you that he also showed up the camp extremely out of shape? Um, but which is a, honestly, that's a huge worry for me about anybody. If they show up to their freshman camp out of shape, yeah. just fire them into the sun. There's there's not a lot of hope there for. The, for so I I was either going to go, I was either going to go, uh, Hakeem Williams or Jaden Greathouse. I think that those were my decisions. And then the next three picks. So that's the end of the second round. The next three picks were Jalen Hale, Lawson Lucky. Quentin Joyner, Jaden Greathouse, Dorian Singer, Cordell Russell. Cordell Russell also would have been a, a potential option for me. But I was just like, I can't just let this. I Sometimes the services confuse me when a player that I don't like. Sam Heward was one of the I, – I don't have Sam Heward anyway because I, I was like, this dude is not a five-star quarterback. I was right on that one. Here on Hakeem Williams, I'm like, I'm at the end of the second round. I didn't even have my first-round pick because I traded that away. I'm at the end of the second round. I have a – five-star athlete when you go to Hampton Ken's athletic uh, comparison tool his comparison is Julio Jones I'm like yeah I'm gonna pull the trick and he yes he showed up to camp out of shape but he played in the spring game he's an early enrollee for an ascending program I'm like yes I'm taking Hakeem Williams here but at the end of the second round but I feel I feel bad about it I really do I have zero Hakeem Williams this offseason. I probably won't end up with any of him. I'm not super interested. 
the the players that I would have taken in front of him that I kind of wish that I had back, um, Jaden Greathouse and Cordell Russell. 100%. Those, though I, I would have – if I had to do it again, I would have taken one of them, especially given how Greathouse played in the spring game. And then Russell's ceiling is just – Russell's ceiling is the best wide receiver in the class. Um, okay. Is that it? Sure. Peace, everybody.